You're listening to Lane Powell Live, www.lanepowell.com. It wouldn't be a legal presentation if we didn't include a disclaimer. We want to note that the information provided in this podcast does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. All information, content, and materials available today are for general informational purposes only. You'll find our full disclaimer at our website, lanepowell.com. Thank you for joining us today. Welcome back to another episode of Lane Powell Live. I think we have an excellent episode for you today. Why do I say that? Because we have a special guest who excels as a storyteller and change maker for companies choosing to grow workforces focused on equity and inclusion. With us today is Sharon Orlop, the recently retired Global Chief Diversity Officer and Senior Vice President of Corporate HR at Walmart. At Walmart, she was responsible for advancing a diverse and inclusive workforce of 2.2 million associates worldwide. Sharon is here to share insightful tips on integrating a strategic diversity and inclusion plan that can help all of us drive real change in our workplaces. Sharon, take it away. I'm honored to be here. And I often say that the path to the chief diversity officer role at Walmart was put into play actually before I was born. My parents got married as uh, late in their teenage years, much to the disappointment of both sets of my grandparents. My parents were from different socioeconomic and religious backgrounds and neither sets of my grandparents were thrilled that they got married. I don't know what it's like at your family gatherings, but when our family would get together, uh, they were unfiltered comments. And so my mom's side of the family would say negative things about my dad. My dad's side of the family would say negative things about my mom. And so my parents decided that they wanted to put a stop to the negative stereotypical comments. So we moved thousands of miles away from relatives. I grew up believing that you shouldn't live near relatives and that you only visit them when absolutely required. But part of that experience made my parents very huge supporters of the civil rights movement and the women's rights movement. So much so that they made a purposeful parenting decision when I was 12 years old that changed me into the person I am today. When I was 12, our family moved to a neighborhood that was predominantly African-American and Hispanic. And we weren't welcome in the neighborhood. Our yard was set on fire, our home was vandalized several times, and my parents owned a small landscaping business in the community that was also vandalized. But I was never afraid, I was 12. I wanted to fit in, I wanted to make friends, I wanted to know who I would sit with on the school bus every day. And our family lived in that community for 30 years. And what it taught me is that we're all more similar than we are different. Every single one of us wants to be valued and respected included and loved. And so that experience gave me this internal radar that goes off when I see that people aren't being included. So while at Walmart, we created very strategic diversity and inclusion plans that had three elements, a big focus on business relevancy, metrics, and a focus on behaviors. So when you think about business relevancy, when you're putting together a DE&I plan, it has to link to the business. It has to have an impact to the business in order for there to be buy-in. And then around metrics, you have to inspect what you expect. And so providing regular frequent reporting to senior leaders and to board members helps drive the change that you want to see. And then to me, the one that's most important is touching the heart. Because when you touch the heart, you change behaviors. And we can touch 
touch the heart through the power of storytelling, through immersion trips, through shared experiences, but it's that relationship and those powerful experiences that change people's minds and open up their hearts and their minds because stories and relationships can drive change where data may not be able to. So when we started uh, down this path on diversity and inclusion, we looked at, are we prepared right now? Are we relevant to our customers and our employees right now? And are we prepared for the future? And when you look at the demographics, right, there's four states where already people of color are the majority. And then 40% of those currently living in the US identify as a person of color. And then by the year 2060, there will be 22 states where the majority of people in those states are people of color. So we did predictive analytics. We looked at our current employee base. We looked at our hiring trends, our retention trends. We said, what will our future workforce look like if we continue down the same path? And we saw that we had opportunities. So we came up with three strategic pillars. So first is the workforce. We want to ensure that we had a diverse workforce. Second was the workplace. We wanted it to be inclusive. And third was the marketplace, our communities and our customers. So there's a big difference between diversity and inclusion. And the analogy that I use is that diversity is being invited to the dance, but inclusion is actually being out on the dance floor dancing. So inclusion requires action and it requires action from every single one of us. And then in the marketplace, we set a big, hairy, audacious goal to source over $20 billion worth of goods from women and people of color owned businesses. So we tracked results quarterly with the board and senior leaders. So diversity metrics in a three month period, trying to have movement on that can be um, challenging at times. But the fact that we were looking at it that frequently and sharing it with senior leaders and board managers demonstrated the importance of it. And we did this for a 10 year period. And then we required every member of management, whether they worked in the field at our stores or in headquarters for several things. They had to mentor two people who did not look like them and they had to attend or create two diversity inclusion events per year. And they had to ensure a diverse candidate slate. So they had to have at least, they had to have women and people of color on their candidate slate. These metrics to me are a relatively low bar, but it started everyone across the organization engaged in them. But we put our money where our mouth was. And if people did not mentor two people who didn't look like them or they didn't attend DNI events or didn't have a diverse candidate slate, we could take money away from their bonus. And in their performance evaluation category under diversity and inclusion, if they were below standard on that, the way that section was weighted would impact their overall evaluation. So this is our decade of progress um, from 2004 to 2014, as far as our progress with women and people of color. And so I'll just call out the store manager number and you know, for women it went up 104%, for people of color up 142%. What that translates to is actually 600 more store managers who were women and about 600 more store managers who are people of color. So pretty significant from a percentage and an actual number perspective as well. And we had a management trainee, trainee program where we could aggressively develop people. The next slide shows our progress both for hourly employees and then also for officers. So our associate bases are hourly employees, so significant progress with African-Americans, Hispanics, and Asians. And then on the officer side, so officers are vice president and above. So pretty much on the women's side over the 10 year period, we went up from about an average of 15 to 16% to 31%. And at that same time frame in the Fortune 500, it remained stubbornly at 
percent. So at Walmart, we almost doubled that. And currently today, Walmart's diversity reports are always accessible to the public. Their 2021 report, their mid-year report, shows that their women officers are right now at 31 percent. Uh, people of color officers, we took that up significantly as well. And on the current Walmart report for 2021, they're at 25% people of color for officers. So when I think about the lessons learned through this experience at Walmart, a couple things stand out. Whenever we had reorgs, that really opened an opportunity for new talent. And the leaders that really cast the talent net far and wide, both internally and externally, did a much better job. So for example, if an operator needed a position filled, but they only looked at people that had operations experience, that was gonna be a limited pool. But if they looked for people with great leadership skills and some transferable skills, they could move them into operations and teach them a new function. Um, the diverse candidate slates to me are super important. The NFL uses the Rooney rule. I think incorporating something like that is really important. And metrics, always measuring what you want. And then a lot of open dialogue sessions so with the tragic situation with George Floyd, having open discussions about that, um, anytime there are current event situations that are real controversial, usually at the root of it is a lack of respect or inclusion. So I think it's important in workplaces that there's open dialogue sessions about that. And then locating those champions throughout the business that are passionate about DE&I, because most depart diversity departments are relatively small. And to me, the key is having change agents all throughout the business that help ensure that there's a diverse and inclusive work environment. So these are some suggestions company can, companies can take. Um, I'm not gonna go through all of them, but the very first one, ensuring open access and transparency about jobs. At Walmart, we created an internal job posting system, which at the time was unique, but it was for every single hourly employee and every store employee, and then also all the headquarters employees. And so all of a sudden, everybody knew what jobs were open and it was an open, open posting. And what it did was it released the, this pent up demand for people who did wanna move up, but maybe their supervisor didn't know or didn't endorse them. And so creating transparency around job openings and the job selection process is critical. And then the whole piece about diverse candidates, slates, diverse interviewers, and then reviewing all of your HR practices and policies, whether it's around compensation or benefits or recruiting practices ensuring that all those are fair to everybody. So during the pandemic, it's a little bit tougher. You can't put people on a bus to Montgomery. We can't do some of the same things. And so I still go back to the power of storytelling. One of the things that I've seen be real effective is if you share your own personal story about when you haven't felt included or when you felt different, and then ask others to share their story, it's amazing what you learn about people. And I think we all make assumptions about people when we see them. And so when you share stories about when did you feel that you didn't belong, um, it's interesting what you'll learn about people. And once again, the small dialogue groups, particularly about current events, and then doing online learning together, whether it's TED Talks or books or articles or movies, and then company book clubs. So at the current company that I'm at, we had a small book club group. But once the protests started, we expanded the book club to be for everybody in the company because it's remote. And the first book we read was Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson. He created the Equal Justice Initiative. And then he also is the narrator on the movie 13th. So I think those are great ways to get a lot of different people talking about books and current events. And then Eddie Moore created this 21 day racial equity habit. And it's a lot about what are you reading? What are you learning? What are you talking about? What actions are you taking? And it takes 21 days to create a habit. So that's something that I recommend. You know, I think all of us are on this continual learning journey. 
And so what books are you reading? What books can be a part of the discussion at work? Um, and also with your family members. Um, I will talk a little bit about Gather at the Table. This is a, an African-American woman whose ancestors were slaves. And the white man, Thomas um, DeWolf, his ancestors were the largest slave owners in the United States. And Sharon and Tom traveled throughout the US for a three year period and share their insights. Um, they're fabulous speakers. It's a really great book. And I'm gonna make a plug on moving diversity forward. I've read a lot of books on diversity and inclusion and Verne Meyer's book on moving diversity forward is the most practical book around workplace and what you can do around your workplace environment. And this is about inclusive leadership. How can each of us be inclusive leaders? So use symbols of inclusion, and that's both in your workspace and at home. And right now those are the same space for many of us, right? So it might be having um, an LGBTQ flag uh, present. It might be artifacts. It might be the books that are near you or the artwork, but there's symbols that without saying anything at all, tell people I'm inclusive of all that come into my life. And the next one is invite people into your life. Once again, this is personal and professional. Who are you having meals with? Who are you doing business trips with? Right now, when we can't do that, who are you participating in Zoom meetings with? But how do you invite different people into your life, both personally and professionally? And then one that I'm huge on is at meetings, as the leader, observe and watch who's talking and who's not. Oftentimes the deep thinkers are the quieter employees. They're processing all the information that's being said. So ask them for their opinion. And then listen generously, be an active listener, uh, pronounce people's names, ask them how to pronounce it, repeat it, but a name, a person's name is the sweetest sound in the language to them. And then lavishly and publicly praise those who push back and those who ask great questions and those who raise concerns because that's what makes us better. Thanks for sharing your experiences and insights with us. The pandemic provided businesses unexpected opportunities for impactful change. And there's no time like the present for us to implement strategic diversity and inclusion plans that foster growth, both in talent and in business. I invite you to go learn more about Sharon Orlop at www.sharonorlop.com. A link to her website can be found in the description of this episode. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll be back with a new episode soon. The lawyers of Lane Powell serve as trusted counsel, advocates, and advisors to clients who rely on us to resolve complex business litigation, and regulatory challenges. We invite you to subscribe to periodic legal updates relevant to your business, written and published by lawyers from Lane Powell. To sign up, visit lanepowell.com forward slash subscribe and choose any topics that are relevant to your industry or business. Thank you for joining our discussion today.